0: Welcome to Walking in Faith, a weekly podcast dedicated to examining the Bible to help lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God expand their faith and understanding by exploring God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Rob Harrington as he shares this week's message. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke, if you would, and join with us as we continue on in our study in Luke's Gospel as we again go back to the shepherds and we look at the responses to the good news. Once again, it's that time. It's the time that you've all been waiting for. The time that's been anticipated since last February or so. You know what I'm talking about. It's time for the Oscars. Every year we are presented with the questions of what is the best movie? What is, who is the best director, the best actor and actress and so on and so forth. You and I are going to be flooded with reviews and recommendations from producers and movie studios, movie studios, all promoting their own projects. For many, it is an exciting time as we join in the national and even international conversation of who is the best. The Oscar is a time honored and equally criticized event that result in many different responses and reaction when the winners are finally announced, go 1917. That, by the way, is just extra. You don't have to pay for that. It's not really part of the message. Anyone here seen the movie 1917? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Oh, my goodness. Then this is going to be a great message. Because 1917 is interwoven throughout all of the words and things and motions that I have to share. Last week, the narrative moved in Luke chapter 2 to the shepherds. Remember, the shepherds' interstage right as they were visited by an angel who had pronounced the good news that the anointed king and savior of the world had been born in Bethlehem. This unique baby is not only the promised Messiah, but he is also the very son of God who had become flesh. His long-anticipated arrival was going to usher in joy and peace to all those who would accept him. Now, as we come to this week, Luke chapter 2, 15 through 21, Lucas can conclude this narrative by recording the responses and the reaction of the shepherds, those that were in the area, and Mary herself to the angelic birth announcement of the arrival of Messiah. So it's going to be here on the monitor, Luke chapter 2. The rest will not, but Luke chapter 2, 15 through 21, let's read along together silently as I read out loud. Luke writes, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning, uh, concerning this child. Verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned to glorify him, praising God, for all they had heard and seen that had been told them. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Father, as we come, we thank you for your word. These eyewitnesses' accounts are captured For all of history, Lord, to give us an orderly account so that we may have certainty of the birth and the life of Jesus. So impress that upon our hearts this morning. It's just more than a nativity story, more than just a Christmas story, but these are the very words of God that one day that we will stand before you and give account of how we have responded, what we have known and been certain of. So just drive away any uncertainty, Lord, drive away any distractions that may prevent us. Lord, let me speak words that are edifying and build up and let us know the difference between you know just Rob's mere opinion and what the very truth of Scripture is. And above all, we just pray that the Holy Spirit would have free reign in each heart this morning as we respond to your words and your truths. Thank you for this time. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, as we close out Luke's narrative of the birth of Jesus, we have one more myth or maybe two myths here to to dispel in regard to the nativity scene that you and I always see uh, on, on display or even the children's plays. And that there is no drummer boy. Isn't that a bummer? There's no drummer boy. Now, I know he's a favorite character of many, including myself. However, Scripture does not record the little drummer boy leading in progression of people to come and worship the baby. Nor do we see the wise men as their visit actually happens two years later after the birth of Jesus. But Luke here, other than Matthew, is coming here and giving us some real things that we can be certain. And these are some of the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. What is interesting is we look through this passage and we consider what we read in Luke chapter 1 concerning these angelic pronouncements that have been happening is the various responses and reaction to these angelic pronouncements of the two sons of promise, John the Baptist as well as Jesus. You might recall Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, when he, was, he reacted to the angelic announcement by expressing unbelief in the promise. Remember, he was struck mute. Mary, though, embraces the promises that she will give birth supernaturally to the Son of God. And then today, as we come to the shepherds, we see at first a delay. They delay at first as they consider just what happened. But then we see that they spring into action after hearing the good news. And you know what? It's not uncommon for people to respond and react differently to news. All of us would have responded similar to those above. Uh, Unbelief, maybe treasuring it and embracing it. And maybe just like, what in the world has just happened? Of course, of those three, only two were the proper and godly response, while the other demonstrated unbelief and doubt. So we're going to take a moment to consider the positive responses as we focus a little bit on the shepherds in this, in this section of passage, of the shepherds of the good news. So to understand their response, though, I need you to go back and look at, look at verses 10 and, uh, through 12 of Luke chapter 2. I want to reread the birth announcement that prompted such positive reaction. So look back to me, Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. Again, the angel uh, comes to the shepherd. Remember, this time it's one angel. And he says, I bring you great news or good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day, and here's the good news, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, uh, you, know, be, be, you know, you don't have to get upset here or, or worried here. I'm not going to re-preach that passage. But the point I want to make out is that, once again, the importance of this good news. This birth announcement contains the miraculous news that the long-anticipated anointed leader of Israel had arrived. He declares that his purpose is to save his people from their sin and that will usher in great joy and peace among those who will accept and submit to this child. It also points out that the unexpected news that this anointed leader is actually God himself, the second person of the Trinity. So again, with that in our mind, now we can understand the reaction of the shepherds, the residents nearby, and Mary herself. Now Luke records that the shepherds respond to the angelic birth announcement in four different ways. So the first response is simple curiosity. They respond with curiosity. Look again at verse 15 as they conversed with one another. Listen to what they say. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Curiosity This is a typical human response when someone shares information with someone else. Whether it's good news or bad news, it raises our curiosity. We want to know more. We see this same response when we hear about a movie or a song, a play or a book that someone raves about. We want to know if it's true, if it's accurate. We wonder if if we would enjoy it. The good news of the gospel many times brings about the same reaction, curiosity when they hear it for the first time. What is it that you're talking about? I, I don't understand. What? Tell me more. They were very aware that they had just witnessed something extraordinary. It's not every day that they're entertained that they entertained a host of angels. Now, I'm sure that the presentation of the angels coming and sharing the good news played an important role, important role, excuse me, in piquing their curiosity. Now, this would be a, a time to good give a good application point here for us to consider. How well do you and I present the good news? Of the gospel, does it kindle the imagination? Does it arouse the emotions? Does it stimulate the the intellect? Too many times, we are guilty of presenting the gospel as either a chore or a duty that does nothing to excite the hearer and propel our family and friends to curiosity and interest. Or I could say as an editorial note, many times the way that we present the gospel is so hard heavy. And hard, uh, I can't think of the name, you know, like a a hammer. We're just busting people over the head. You know, it's the turn and burn. Or you you know you're going to hell, right? You know, you've always been evil. And so we present the gospel uh, in ways in which it doesn't arouse curiosity. Now their second response that we're going to see is not only curiosity, but we see that they respond with confirmation. They want to confirm what they've heard. Luke records as we continue in verse 16 that they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They went and confirmed what the angel said. But not only that, we see that they did it with an urgency. They made haste. With urgency, they went to confirm what the angel had pronounced. Now, it doesn't tell us how they found Jesus. It doesn't tell us whether they went from home to home, knocking on doors, yelling out, or looking for a newborn baby lying in a manger, or if they just heard him crying and wandered in as they passed by. really doesn't matter how they found him. What's important is with haste, they went and confirmed what was told them. They knew that they had found the right child, the Savior of the world, when they found him lying in a manger. Again, this is a typical response to our curiosity. We always want to know if what we're told is the truth. We want to know if that movie review was accurate. Is that team as good as as its record stays? Is that singer lip syncing or is that their real voice? In the same way, you and I want to confirm the good news of the gospel when it was presented to us. Our friends and family are going to want the same thing. They're going to look at your life. They're going to look at Scripture. We need to confirm it. Does it truly bring joy and peace and reconciliation? Does God truly love us? Is Jesus truly the Son of God? Has He truly destroyed the works of the devil? We want confirmation. Even from our most trusted friends and sources, it is important to confirm what they share. We should never take someone's word for anything. We want to confirm it. <clears throat> What's that old phrase? Trust but verify. We want confirmation. Now here's another plea. What is missing many times in our response to the good news for us as Christians, or maybe even for you who does not know Christ, is when you hear the gospel either preached or taught here at the Orange, Orange Bible Church or in our own presentation It's a sense of urgency. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians that now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let me share with you, many of you have been here for some time. And if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior today, then do not delay. Do not walk outside those doors without knowing who Jesus Christ is and what He's done. Come to Him without delay. Repent and turn from your sin. Do not wait until a more opportune time. This is the day of salvation. Again, tomorrow, later today, the next moment is not promised to any of us. But also, if you're a Christian, one of God's chosen children, then I would urge you with urgency, follow His Word immediately. With a sense of urgency, Follow what he has commanded. Do not delay in loving your wife, caring for your children, serving as an ambassador of Christ. This is the time of our service. In David's epitaph, it says that David served God in his generation and he slept. Let that be said of us. That is much better than he was a good man. He was a good husband. Know that we served God in our generation. Today is the day of our service, not tomorrow, next, not next week or next year. Serve God with all of your heart, your mind, and strength. And serve him with a sense of urgency, confirming what God has given us. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, the call to urgency is the same. <clears throat> Their third response is not only curiosity and confirmation but it's to circulate or to communicate the good news look at verse 17 and when they saw it what did they see the baby lying in the manger now when they now think about this now when they went to the to see that baby what did they see did they did they see him doing miracles was he parting the hay or the water in the trough no, he wasn't doing any of those things. He was not riding a donkey around in a circle, saying, I'm just preparing for when I enter Jerusalem. He wasn't doing any of those things. He was a little baby uh, pooping there in the trough, just like any other baby. You know, let's take that out of the thing. Let's, he was a baby. He was a human baby doing what babies do. Just sitting there. Was his eyes open? I don't know. Was he singing the praises of God? I don't know. We don't know what he was doing other than just probably doing what human babies do. He's a newborn, born that night. I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing anyone or your friends. Yes, I know. I don't even know what I'm talking about now. But imagine what they see. So what is it that shows them? Oh, here's an anointed leader. He's in swaddling cloths. Oh, this is the son of, he's laying in a trough. A feeding trough. This is the Christ, the Messiah? What? What armies will he lead? Oh, wait, great. Now i got to wait 30 years for him to grow up? And what they saw was just a baby lying in a manger. And that confirmation was enough, along with the good news of the birth announcement, was enough for them to circulate that good news. Christ, the Savior, the Lord, is born. And you and I have something even much greater for you and I to circulate and to share. Once they realized what the angel had told them was true, they wasted no time in sharing the good news with the other people, the residents around Bethlehem. The shepherds served as the very first evangelist of the good news. That is what you and I are to do with good news. We want to share it with others, do we not? Of course, we want to do the same thing with bad news. Many times, but more in the form of gossip. But this is good news. It was too good. It was too wonderful to keep to themselves. Could you imagine them going to, hey, hey I, found, I found the Christ. I found the Messiah. You know, I, I found the Son of God. I, I found the anointed. Oh, where is it? Oh, he's that baby lying in a feeding trough over there. You got to come see. You know, it's not too difficult for us to share good news with others, whether it's the announcement of a new baby, a wedding engagement, or the last movie we saw at the theaters in 1917. We want others to know and enjoy it with us. Why is it that's such a struggle with the gospel? Why? why is it such a struggle with the gospel? That's the theme of our adult core class for the next eight weeks as we consider the importance of a gospel-shaped outreach. The thing is, you and I are more excited and prone to communicate a movie review than the good news that a Savior has come to make us right with God. Amen? That was kind of quiet there. It boggles the mind when you truly think and contemplate it. The most important and life-changing event in all of history, and you and I are either too ashamed to share it or fearful of others' reaction. But their response was to circulate and communicate with that which they confirmed, that which they were curious about. But this fourth response is the best. Their fourth response leads them to celebrate and worship Yahweh for his faithfulness in fulfilling his promise to his children. It leads them to celebrate the good news. Luke records in verse 20 that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they heard and seen and has been told them. Now, what is interesting here as you read this verse, did you understand what happened? Look again, you can see that they're worshiping and praising God, right? But did you see that first clause? The shepherds, what? Returned. Returned where? To watching the sheep at night. You know the song, come on. They're watching their sheep at night. They return to their regular duties, their regular life, praising God on the way and as they were there. Go ye therefore in all the world, making disciples all. So where do you go? Just return to where you were, where Christ found you. Go back and now share that good news. You can worship God wherever, whenever. This is the correct and proper response to the good news of the gospel. Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation. This is the proper response to the good news of the gospel. The son of God becomes flesh to save his people from their sins and to rule as God's anointed righteous king. You and I should all celebrate that good news. That is what gets you up in the morning. In Revelation chapter five, in this passage, the apostle John is given the privilege or is given the privilege to witness a very wonderful moving uh, moment in heaven. Look at verse 1 with me as I read out loud. John writes this. When I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on a throne a scroll written within, and on the back sealed with seven seals, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals? Verse 3, and no one in heaven on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. I began to weep loudly, John says, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered So that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the living four creatures, and the four living creatures, excuse me, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing. As though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And verse 7. And he went and he took up the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. What a vision as you imagine it. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before that lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense were the prayers of the saints. But here, look at verse 9. And they sang a new song. Saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest for our, or to our God and they shall reign on earth. Who is this speaking about? It's speaking of that baby that was in the feeding trough. Then I looked. And I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads, thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, underline this in your Bible. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessings. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and what? Worshipped. That's the right and proper reaction response to the baby in the manger. Scripture tells us, you look here on the monitor in John chapter 4, 23, Jesus himself speaking, but the hour is coming and is now here, he says, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Celebration and worship are the proper responses to the baby born in the manger that night, the one who came to save his people from their sins and to rule in righteousness and justice. The shepherds respond positively. Curiosity, confirmation, circulating the good news, and then celebration. Now, in considering the shepherds, And I want to challenge you as you see through this, is that's the response to you and I to the good news of the promise of the child being born. You and I must also not forget the response and reaction of the others. For Luke continues in his narrative, in verse 18, we read that all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now, it doesn't tell us that they saw, but all those who heard what the shepherds say, said it says they were wondered, they wondered at it. Pastor John MacArthur notes this. He said, wonderment wonder at the mysteries of Christ's words and works is one of the threads that run through, the, through the Luke's gospel. As you and I go through the gospel, we will read of this response and reaction to Jesus' authority and teaching, his miraculous works, and his humble but royal demeanor. Amazement, wonder, treasuring. However, you and I must remember that amazement and wonder at the information and the person of Christ itself does not save anyone. Their reaction or initial reaction is good, yet I wonder how many of them joined the crowd in condemning him 33 years later. Suffice it to say that the testimony of the shepherds serves its purpose as the residents of the area hear the good news of the birth of the Savior. And I just want to make a little pastoral, editorial note. You and I are not in the position to make others come to know Christ. We're to share Christ. We must understand we have a message. We are to have an action as we said earlier, but it's the work of God working in each person's heart. The shepherds do exactly what they're to do. They were to share and worship. And that sharing and worship speaks in a way to bring wonderment and maybe stir that curiosity so that others may be moved to confirm through the Holy Spirit of the good news that we share. In verse 19, not only did we see the others as they wonder, but in verse 19, Luke, Luke records that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in their heart. I don't know about you, but just reading these first two verse chapters, uh, I should say, in Luke, this seems to be the norm for Mary. We're not given much about Mary. We, we, we say there's much about Mary, but the Bible doesn't give us much about Mary. But what it seems to be telling us here in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2 is that she is a young woman who takes time to contemplate all that God has spoken through the angel. She really, at a young age, is a woman of discernment that treasures the good news of the calling, the plan, and the purposes of Yahweh for her son. I imagine that this memory, this, this pondering when she promised her a son, remember it says she pondered these things. and it, it troubled her, but yet she pondered them. And even here we see that she's treasured. That's a word that means to store up, to hold on to as something that is wonderful. And precious. I imagine that this memory of not only the angel coming and pronouncing the birth of Christ or promising that Christ would come through her, but also these shepherds coming in and seeing her and and declaring and witnessing what they saw. I can imagine that this, this memory of those events would serve her well as Jesus would grow up. He would have been so different from other children. Could you imagine being not only his brother, could you imagine being his mother? He'd be so different from children, even her other children. He's well-behaved. He's obedience to both the parents and the law. This information stored up in her heart for close to 30 years eventually propels her to encourage Jesus to intervene at the wedding of Cana and Cana. It might have caused her to be confused, when he thought he might have gone out of his mind and they went to bring him back home. That information, the things that she had troubled and stored all those years, probably began to trouble her as she watched her own son, tortured and crucified on the cross. Maybe, Lord, what is going on? What are you doing here? But yet the same treasure would have finally made sense when her son was resurrected on the third day, and when the Holy Spirit blew into their hearts at the day of Pentecost. What do you store up and treasure into your hearts? Is it the word of God? Is it the good news? Are you confirming those things, celebrating, circling, but are you treasuring them up, hiding them in your heart? Do you find that the good news of the gospel, that he is the Lord, the Savior, the Son of God, does it it come to you at great times and weak times in your life? Finally, in verse 21, we read that the end of the eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, name given by the angel before he was conceived in his womb. And as I say that quickly, probably too quickly, many times we read that verse and say, oh, well, that's just a great summation of what was happening. But even here, this is telling us of a great testimony to the faith of Mary and of Joseph and their trust in Yahweh as they faithfully obey the Mosaic law and the instructions of Gabriel. You shall call his name Jesus. The greatest and best response to the word of God is this, faithful obedience. Faithful obedience obedience let us follow their example today which now brings us to the point in the message where you and i consider how do we apply this passage and and i think as you're you're as you're listening you're saying yeah yeah i need to be more you know i need to have more curiosity i need to be you know confirm those things and these are all good things but we need to apply the scripture that we read and listen to you know, we ask questions like, is there a command to obey in this passage? Is there a promise to trust? Is there an attribute of God that leads me to worship him more and to celebrate him? Is there a truth that we should embrace that, that maybe I didn't know before? Or is there a, a hope that we ought to share? And that's how you and I look at scripture and apply it. In our case today, I believe there's a challenge here for you and I. The three responses in a, our passage can be summed up with these words. I know we looked at five different ones, or, or is it, no, I said six, four from the shepherds, and two from the others. I think it'd be testify, wonder, and treasure. The three responses to the good news is to testify, to wonder, and treasure. Testify. As Christians, we are called to share the good news with all within our influence. Tell your family, your friends, your co-workers what Christ has done for you. Leave a gospel track when you go shopping, when you eat out, when you're visiting your neighbors. And I have a whole rack of them. And it's amazing to me how slowly they're being depleted. I should put them right on the door handle and that maybe accidentally it might just get stuck to your hand. But Use them. If you're giving a tip, putting a card in, then give them. Now listen, don't take it and tip da- bad. If you're going to do that, put some other church's name on the back of the track. Don't give them to ours. But just put it with there, with a little invitation. You know, I do that every time I go out to eat, which is probably more than it should be. But one of the things I do is, can I just give you this to read and share with others during your break or something? And most, the, mostly they take it. But then I also make a, a, a note to try to see the name on their thing. And I just... Leave, I say, Lord, I pray that they read it or that they share it with someone. Let it do what it is. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, I'm just like, you know, throwing something out. But you know what? It's sharing the gospel in some form. It's an easy way to do it. Invite someone to our services where they can hear the good news of the gospel. You and I need to testify of the good news. We need to raise that curiosity. When he, someone asks, you know, there's a good question. You know, I, I know I tell you the story of the Bible, right? The prince slays the dragon and wins the girl. And truly the Bible is about Jesus, but Jesus is that prince. He slays the dragon, not by killing the dragon, but by being killed and rise, raising from the dead. And obviously, who's the girl? The girl is you and I. We're the bride of Christ. Why do I use that simple phrase? Because I'm wanting to to stimulate their thinking. I want to arouse their curiosity about what the Bible is. I'm trying to sum up what Scripture is saying very quickly. Sure, I can say, well, you know, the Bible is about Jesus and how He died for you, so you can go to heaven. Uh, that's great news. But it's been sometimes been so well worn that it just so many times goes over the head. People want to know who the prince is. How is he slain the dragon? Who's the girl? And so it's just a way to just interact with people in a way that makes it simple and non-threatening to both groups. The other is wonder. The words of scripture ought to cause us to be amazed at the goodness of God. So here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. Consider the works of creation in its beauty and intricacies. That's the general revelation of creation. That ought to make us curious that there is something greater than ourselves here. Consider the providence of God in supplying all that you need. Consider the amazing grace of God who chooses to love us despite our rebellion. And we find that then in the special revelation of God's word. Do you wonder At God, so many of us just move through life and we don't see the goodness and greatness of God in all things. We're blinded to it. Yes, we say thanks for our meal, but typically it's rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub type stuff. And our prayers are, Lord, I lay me down to sleep and I can't remember the rest of it. But our prayers many times do not express the wonders god you may ask why do we do pastor's prayer it's so that our elders not only can pray for us together as a body but also to model you how do we pray using scripture the attributes of god and then even remembering each other it's so that you and i can once again gain the wonder of who god is i think many of us are just bored with god he's just somebody that comes and keeps telling me about let there not be so And lastly, again, treasure. Not only should we testify, not only should it lead us to wonder, but then to treasure. The word of God is filled with promises that we should store up in our heart. You and I need to hide scripture in our heart that we may be able to fight against sin. We need to memorize scripture so that we may recall the promises or his promises at the right moment. We need to sing the truths of scriptures, not only to ourselves, to the others, that we may build each other up. You know, several years ago, quite a few years ago, we made a very definite decision in our church is that our music here was going to be God-honoring. It's going to be scripturally based, not market-based. Not all what you say, well, this is what I hear here and there. We were going to sing words that lift up and build. Why? Because music is one of those things that it's a communication tool. We use it in such a way that we, that, that we talk through it. We share our emotions through it. You and I, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Remember your first date. What was the song that goes through your head? You and I, when we watch movies and a song plays through, I can tell you what year was going typically as long as the 70s and 80s. Past the 90s, I don't remember much, except there was some bad boy band thing. That was my that was my teen uh youth years and boy bands were on, and I'll tell you, that was just a trial. There was no testifying wonder and treasure at that time. You know, bye, bye, bye. That's all I can think of. That's neither here nor there, is it? And I say all that to say is that you and I communicate through music and songs. And many times scripture will not come to your mind during a a difficult time, but music does. And so that's why we try to use music in such a way to, to share scripture. So here's the question. Let me end with this before I get myself in more trouble. How do you respond to the good news of Jesus Christ? The baby laying in the manger. How do you respond to that? I pray that you will receive it with joy, that you accept the peace that it offers, and that you share the good gift that it offers. Let me close with the words in Acts chapter 8, telling the story of Philip, one of the first evangelists of the New Testament times. Now angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place and he rose and he went and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasures. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and he was returning, seated in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran up to him and heard him and uh, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and he asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man said, How can I unless someone guides me? Curiosity, wanting confirmation. It will lead to him circulating and sharing the gospel in Ethiopia and to celebrate and worship as he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The response to the good news of the baby lying in the manger is so important. God has called us to respond in the correct way. Their head bowed and their head closed. So the worship team comes up, I just want to encourage you. How do you respond to the gospel? I pray it's the way in which the shepherds and Mary did. Do not be wondered at at a wonder and be amazed at the story and then walk away. But let it change your life as the Christ, the Savior, the Lord comes to save His children from their sins. Father, thank you for this wonderful truth. I pray that it would do its miraculous work in our hearts. I pray that your spirit would move and we would respond in such a way that is glorifying to you and good, not only for ourselves, but good to those that you have bring into our area of influence. Lord, may you be glorified in all things as we respond to your word and your truth. In your name we pray. Amen.